It seems today that all you see is standard and modern on SCG. But where are those good old finance values on which we used to rely? Lucky there's a cast that's fly. Lucky there's a group who positively can do all the things that make us money sky high. New car. Tell aristocrats. All right, now that you guys have gone through that horrible introduction, welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Finance Twice. Podcast number 31. After numerous technical delays, we finally got this cast online. And we have our guest back again. He's almost like the recurring DJ on Brainstorm Brewery since DJ decided to not come this week. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Edwin. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Edwin13. I'm also the buyer for Coden's Game Store, where we will have a booth at GP Dallas this weekend. If you want to come by, sell me cards, buy cards, or ask me anything. We've got two cast members this week. One appears one appears to be a horse, and the other is a bearded chicken hat. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. I find the horse. Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find me on Modern Nexus every week and Gathering Magic every other week. Hey guys, Sigmund Osrasser here. I love old school magic and selling cards for eight cents a piece. Sig, I gotta ask why the long face? <laughs> and I'm Zemet Sells Magic. Uh, you know, I'm pretending to be Sig, which is why I don't have a snappy comeback for that. Right. Um, stress it out. Yeah. I just want to stop you for one second. If you're not watching the YouTube like replay of this, then you're doing it wrong. You're, yeah. you're just not getting the full picture of what's going on here. Travis has is wearing a horse head right now. So uh, pretty fun times. So Star City announced today that they're basically killing Legacy. As we said last week and the week before that, magic is ruined forever. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Tales of Adventure has already offered to start picking up slots and like doing their own thing. Though after Eternal Week and success, who knows what's going to happen? Or Eternal Extravaganza for, I guess. How do you guys think, with Star City leaving the market, that legacy prices will shift? And do you think anyone's going to step up to replace them? Uh, so let's break this down real quick for anyone who hasn't read the, the announcement. Uh, Star City kind of unrolled their plans for the 2017 tour. And the biggest announcement is that any real legacy port is non-existent they had previously three seasons and there would be one legacy event happening each season now they're going from three seasons to two seasons which means that there will only be two legacy events over the course of the year and furthermore there will actually be no <laughs> that moment when ed removes himself from the cast in the middle of recording <laughs> I'm not sure if you did that on purpose or not, but it'd be the best. That's the I, recording version of autocorrect. Yeah, no, he actually just didn't leave the conversation according to chat. But uh hey Ed, how's it going? Oh, I'm back. Yep. I died. Yeah. Uh you were saying uh with the reduction of uh seasons, there will only be two seasons to uh, three, we will only see one legacy event per season, so two real legacy opens per year. And then there will also be no more legacy classics as well, which basically means Lacey's dead. I mean, magic is already ruined forever. Jim, as someone who is like just now getting out of competitive, though you're sort of sucked back in, so you can never truly escape magic, how do you feel about this change? 
I mean, I never played Legacy because it was too expensive. It didn't get cheaper with Eternal Masters, so I still don't see myself ever playing Legacy. And, I mean, that and the fact that, like, none of the stops in the SCG Tour are necessarily very close to Florida, with the exception of last, like, the last two seasons, they had one in Orlando for some reason. And all, of ne- like, the first half of next year, there's none in Florida. The closest one's Atlanta, so... I'm not going to travel seven hours to play a format I don't really play very much. Um, but just to clarify, there is technically two legacy, like big legacy events next in the first half of next year. There is a team constructed open, which has one player piloting a standard deck, one player piloting a modern deck, and one player piloting a legacy deck as your team. So there is that, like technically another legacy event but not really at the same time um if only somebody had predicted what was going to happen with legacy if only somebody had written three years ago an article that said that legacy oh wait i have to turn the game up on this mic that's right when i put the mic on if only had somebody written three years ago that legacy wasn't gonna look good uh, I mean, this is this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Like anyone who's been paying attention to Magic has known for kind of months or years that this was coming, um, and we're just going to see a continual decline in in legacy prices. There won't be a large crash. People still love the format. It'll still have its diehard fans. But uh, I mean, just the reason to own legacy cards is getting uh, smaller and smaller. I mean, it's it's just unless you live in one of a few very uh, small contained pockets, there's just nothing. You, the format's completely inaccessible to you. I just honestly can't take you seriously with the horse head on Good. <laughs> like, at all. And sorry for Travis's audio. He's currently speaking through a horse mask. So, yep. Is it, is it not very good right now? I turned the gain off. No, you're just, it's crack. You're just cracking me up with the way your, your horse face is moving. You're, you're like a little muffled, but I can understand exactly what you're saying. It's just like, you sound different than you usually do. Yeah. It's pretty now? fun. Is this better? Sure. Sure. Why not? Um, so are legacy prices going to fall then as a result of this now that Star City is just getting out that they've sold off apparently like all their legacy stuff. They made a killing. They still have a ton, obviously, but you know, they sold a ton of their excess stock. You think it was more, oh, hey, legacy is not profitable because players aren't showing up or we just modern's too profitable for us to ignore any longer modern standard. If you check out their weekly sale, they have the weekly sale this week that went online this morning is Legacy and Vintage Staples. You can buy slightly played, moderately played duels for definitely a fraction of what you, what they previously had priced that. And even at previous shows at Star City Atlanta, um, I was actually going to their booth and buying their moderately played and heavily played duels to stock my booth and just mark it up a little bit because they were basically, they just had so many that they were just trying to sell wherever they could. So. Uh, I imagine that the first step is probably getting rid of excess stock that they have. So again, if you look at their sales, they have some very, very competitive prices on uh, on a lot of their uh, legacy staples, more or less in line with what TCG prices are. So clearly they have a surplus. And again, step one for them is if they're going to reduce support for this, then they're, they definitely need to kind of downsize on what they already have in terms of legacy stock. Yeah, I mean, that's not really necessarily a bad thing for the format. Like, if the if the, if the the cards are in the store, then people can't play with them. So if they mark them down enough to the point where people are buying them again, maybe you'll have more legacy players in your local community. But 
honestly, it's not really that big a deal either way, I don't think. I'm just very happy that I sold a bunch of duels to Bouchard in Providence because that ended up being a good call. None of the legacy prices have really faltered on any of the past announcements, even though every single time it was legacy looks worse. Maybe this time people will think that this is the the proverbial nail and prices will actually fall, but uh, I'm inclined to say that they're not really going to tank that hard. You'll probably see an initial dip and then It'll just be that steady, like kind of plateau and, and dwindling down that we've seen every other time. I would argue that duels would have fallen further if Haruya and Tokyo MTG hadn't come along and like stopped that free fall. Because ever since Journey to Nyx, duels have been falling. They haven't really recovered. And the only reason I think, and this is just my opinion, that duels didn't go lower is because the Japanese vendors were willing to snatch them up if they got any lower, because it's just easy to to move them over there. Do you think that the Japanese were buying that many duels? I mean, that's a lot of duels to soak up. I mean, I remember at DC, yeah, GPDC, Haruya literally went over uh, the the head buyers, Justin, and he literally went over and bought every single play duel in Star City's case that they brought to DC. Just like straight up walked over, offered a bulk deal, and then just took them all back. A lot of damn lands. Yeah. I mean, the the other thing is that like these lands were never printed in Japanese, if I'm not correct mistaken so they just probably don't have like they don't have the communities where you can just like one guy sells out of magic and has a full play set of all of the duels so you know it injects a lot of supply into the marketplace like they have to go overseas and buy them there are no japanese foreign versions so i guess they would have no natural supply of the cards essentially all of it would have to be imported at some point yeah, the biggest thing is I think like it's hard to envision how many people like are actually playing Legacy at any, like probably now in Japan. It's just kind of I guess since they were kind of behind us in terms of when Legacy came along, now there are probably just so many people who are wanting to play Legacy and there's just so many stores who can support it that there will probably be just infinite demand for it over there. And I imagine stores like Tokyo and Haruya can just continue to capitalize on it. Uh, so would you I, argue this is would you argue that this is an interesting parallel to when the economy crashed in the US and the Europeans bought all the power? Uh so so there's multiple parts of that question. So one, you could argue that the that it's easier for them because the the value of the Japanese yen it's actually gone down substantially. It's at its like lowest in many many years. It used to be very profitable for them to do that and now well, it might be less profitable, but I imagine that there's just so many people who are willing to do it that it actually just doesn't matter that they'll just continue to buy all these duels from us and keep the prices at least somewhat propped up instead of just going into a free fall. Travis, did you want to say something about that? Uh, I was just going to comment. The, we're good against, we're better against the yen now than we might have been like a decade ago, but the last two years ago, we were really good against the yen, but they recovered a lot of ground in the last two years or so. Yeah, I just miss when arbitrage was way more fun with the Japanese yen versus the United, versus the dollar when it was like 135, 136 yen to the dollar. Oh, those were fun times. Um, one of the other things that people like to do, Doug and myself included, is look at what Haruya is selling commander cards for. And now that we have the entire spoilers for the commander decks, what are you guys looking to capitalize on this time around? Last time we saw stuff like what what got reprinted that went up 
I guess like you could even look at conspiracy, burgeoning, serum visions, inquisition of Kozilek. How do you guys feel about stuff like chromatic lantern and awakening zone or the, the X mana green spell where you get lands that went up to $8. What are you guys looking to pick up from the newest commander set? Who's going first? Ed. Uh, so I've been at Eternal Weekend this weekend. I actually just got back like very early, early this morning, and I still have a ton of other work to do. So I actually haven't fully looked at the commander spoilers yet. Um, but in terms of picking up just the legacy staples, I'm really not interested in looking at them for long-term prospects the way they used to be. Because you, you used to look at things like Cyclonic Rift, Chromatic Lantern, uh, a lot of the pain lands you can buy on the cheap. Um, those types of cards, they, to me, it's really starting to seem like they really aren't just safe to hold on to because all these supplemental products, it just encourages very strange sort of reprints to happen. And if you look, I uh, one of the emails that came up uh, at work, people are talking about how there was there's literally no symmetry to what's being reprinted or what's not. There, like there's just no rhyme or reason to it. it just literally seems like they're print, reprinting random cards there's no not like full cycles you see some cycles have two or three of the five and to me it just seems like you know a lot of things that we that we would think used to be safe to hold on to for edh the cards that people always pick up it's getting harder and harder to kind of pick those out and decide which one of those to hold on to again because it's, it's there's no real certainty anymore like i i just have no idea like what supplemental products going forward are going to do to these various markets like the commander markets or what random legacy staples will are just gonna get reprinted at some point uh so i do need to do a little bit more research to actually look at the spoilers but as it stands that's more or less my feeling towards the current uh commander sets so you're saying magic is ruined forever yes woohoo got one he fell for his trap. You're never supposed to say yes to any of his questions. The um, sky is falling. Basically. I don't know. Like, There are probably some opportunities to pick some stuff up on the cheap, but honestly, the reprints are like... I guess the best way to, to describe it is the same thing that Ed just said. Like, There's really no rhyme or reason to why they put certain cards in this set. Like, Why do they do Carpulsen Forest and... Caves of Koilos, but not a, a Dark Hour Wastes or Brushland. Like, who decided that that was what they were going to reprint? And then it's just like the dual lands in the decks are real weird, despite them being rares. Like, Forbidden Orchard got reprinted, but I don't really understand that. And Oath of Druids also got reprinted, and I don't really under like, I don't know what's going. I don't know what they're thinking. I like, I feel like they have like a dartboard, and they're just like throwing it. Like throwing darts at the board and hope whatever, whichever one sticks is the one they reprint. Like, why did Baleful Strix get reprinted again? Like, how many times are they gonna print that card? It, it it's fine, like it's good, but like I don't know how many times they can realistically keep reprinting that. I think that if you want to buy anything in this set, you want to buy the newer cards in like, uh, like six or eight months when they've gone down to like nothing, like the the fish deep glow skate is gonna be. If it doesn't get reprinted in another supplemental set, which, like, I don't know, they could do it tomorrow if they felt like it, then that's the kind of card that could be the same as, like, doubling season, where it's, like, $40 for no good reason because a bunch of casuals play it. So would you guys be happier 
if Wizards just keeps reprinting everything, or and do you feel like you'd be like MTG Finance people would be able to survive, or do you feel like if they're just going to keep accelerating their reprint stuff that vendors won't be able to make money because just everything is getting reprinted? Like it's it's profit margins for, and like stuff that you feel comfortable buying at Grand Prix versus everything gets reprinted. Everyone's paying like dimes or quarters on everything, but then you're barely you have to do volume over better profit margins just because like all the cards are worth two dollars on TCG. So would you rather see where like they sort of back off on reprints next year? We get Modern Masters three, but we don't really get that much else. Or do you want to see like way more reprints in the Commander decks next year? They go even harder on reprints on like literally everything that wasn't printed in Modern Masters one and Modern Masters two. Like we get Gorio's Vengeance at Rare again, something like that. Would you rather see that, or would you rather uh, just see them sort of take a step back? And do you think that's the future that Wizards is going more towards? Let's reprint everything and look short term, or do you think that they still care about the long term market? Now that we have masterpiece, it's a long question. It's just something that should be answered before you want to invest in magic for our listeners. Uh, so I guess I'll try and take a stab at this question. If you, so let's break. So, so let's break it down because you basically had like a ten sentence question. Uh, so the first part is, as a vendor, what am I looking to buy? And for the most part, whenever people ask me, "What will you pay on this card?" and my answer is. If I can't sell a thousand copies of that card, you're not going to get the best rate on it. The cards I want are your your standard cards, your modern cards. Um, those are cards that I can sell infinite. And assuming that modern and standard continue to survive in some iteration, I feel comfortable buying those cards in large volume. Things like Gideon. When we came back from Providence, we put all the Gideons online, and they basically sold out in a day. Great. Like I paid. I paid a fair amount. I paid quite a bit, but and we didn't make very much as a result. But they turned over very, very fast. They were on our next TCG direct order, and they were basically gone. And for the most part, to my understanding, most of the uh, TCG uh, direct orders have actually bought up a lot of the cards that we put online right after Providence. Um, so those are the kind of cards I'm looking to target. So things like opening up supplemental products like this to just kind of put singles online is not really something. I'm really looking to do going forward. It just doesn't really seem like worth the time and effort when I can put cards up Gideon on the hot list. I can put, you know, smugglers, copters, those types of things pay very aggressively. People will see that I'm paying very aggressively and they'll be inclined to sell us our, their copies. And then I could just put 40 copies of these cards up online at a time and they will sell every time just because there's so much more demand for them. Whereas these more narrow linear type cards, I just have no interest in just because if I have to sit on it, I'm basically just losing money at this point. Especially if, especially with doing less shows at this point with kind of a, um, a bit of a lull going forward toward, as the year ends. Um, some of these cards I can only put into a booth and try and sell shows. Like there's just no way to out them in store online. So those cards I just really have no interest in because if they have to sit and at some point it's they see a reprint down the road, I'm just losing money. Um, so that was the first part of the question. The second part of the question is... Uh, you actually have to remind me what the second part of your question was. I, it was something related to... Uh, oh, sure. So what? let's say as a vendor, like we all want to make money. We all want cards we can move quick, yeah? Yep. Do you think Watsi's strategy has become, especially lately with the treasure chests that play out of Monopoly money, 
and the fact that they're just doing what like twice as much supplemental products as last year or the year before that do you think that they're all they care about right now is pleasing stockholders on the short term or do you think that they're going to manage their reprint equity for the long term do you think right now that now that we're not seeing a 20 or 30 percent growth of magic and it's closer to the single digits right now or it might have it might have finally stopped we we don't know um do you think that they're just like let's get everything out there because we need to keep appeasing the shareholders this quarter or do you think that they're like our share our shareholders will understand that by re leveraging our products secondary market will have a longer future uh you're, it's definitely a very very like short-sighted way of looking at it uh from my perspective they're clearly concerned about hey what what do our numbers look like next quarter the ne uh two quarters from now as opposed to oh what's gonna happen to magic in one or two years like in the past we've always uh you know most of us have been playing for quite some time now or involved in the finance and we've kind of seen that exponential growth that we've uh for the past few years where uh, this the, the most current block has been the best-selling set, and immediately next year that record more or less gets topped. And now, despite what a lot of the uh, the quarterly reports say, I'm inclined to think that they're not giving us the full story, and we probably are truly looking at sort of a plateau. Yeah, they're still getting more and more people, but we probably have a greater number of people leaving the game that who came in on that initial bubble, and now that they're they're they don't really see kind of a long-term prospect in the game. They're kind of looking to get out of it at this point. And Wizards is more or less counting on new blood to come in and keep uh, keep the game going at this point rather than focusing on retention of uh, some of these people that might have come in maybe three to five years ago during that initial growth rather than looking back and looking at the people who have been playing for 10-plus years and trying to keep them in the game instead. Because those people... Like me, I've been playing for 20 years now, actually. I'm going to continue to keep playing Magic. Wizards isn't trying to target me. They're trying to either focus on keeping the newer players uh, who have joined the game recently, or if they don't necessarily care about them, they're looking to how can we just appease someone who is just looking to walk into a store and purchase some Magic cards for the first time. Anyone else want to take a step? Um, I definitely want to talk about the reprint thing. So even though there are a ton of reprints in this commander product, not a lot of them are like particularly expensive. Like I think that worm coil engine from, was it last year or the year before? It was the year before, right? Worm coil engine is, was more expensive than all of the cars that they reprinted in this commander product. Like Colonian Hydra, I think, is the most expensive reprint, and that one's not really that expensive. It's like eight to ten dollars. I think I would really argue the... they did a better job this year reprinting than last year. Right, and I think that's true. I think that they gave enough reprints in this that it's it, it looks equitable to buy. Like if you're a person that only wants like sixty of the cards, it's not a loss if you buy it. But they also didn't. They also tried to balance out the costs of the decks to the point where, like, all of them are kind of the same in price, and I don't think any of them would be more desirable than others, um, strictly based on the reprints inside of them. But the new cards slanted that a little too much, so that's unfortunate. But I, I think that that they're getting out ahead of some of the cards that, like, we would have normally waited a long time, and they would have gotten stupid expensive for no reason. 
Like, Colonial Hydra, I think, could have been a lot like the one from, like, Lorwyn or whatever that has Chroma, where it could have just sat there forever and ever and ever, never got reprinted, never got reprinted. It's only one M set ever, and it's just, like, $30 for no reason, like a progenitus or something. And I think they, they're trying to get out a little bit ahead of this to try to curb the demand early, which is, I guess, fine for the people that want to play the cards, but it sucks for people that were, like, expecting it to go up in price because of just the time. Because ca casual cards are the kinds of cards that you sit on for a long time, you buy them for nothing, and then you can sell them for, you know, multiple times what you paid for them, but you have to wait. And that's, that's really not great for stores if that happens, but if they get reprinted and people are willing to buy the new copies at the lower prices, then maybe they make more money that way. But it hurts the people that are like, you know, armchair financiers where they just, you know, buy like 200 copies of Restore Balance, hope it never gets reprinted before it gets good, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, people like that that are, that are hoping to buy in cards that are super niche, super hard to reprint and just waiting forever for it to become expensive because of time. I don't think that's likely to happen anymore because of how they're much they're reprinting stuff. But I also think there are just too many products this year. And I think that we're going to see some backlash from people just not being able to purchase everything, it, it gets it gets like tiring. I I buy a lot of Magic products and I play a lot of Magic and I got tired. I don't want to buy anything anymore. I don't I don't want a new set. I don't want Commander pro like. I bought all five Commander decks for the last three years. This year I'm buying three singles and that's it. I just don't have any money for this. They got me with Conspiracy. They did Eternal Masters. They did. Kaladesh, not too recently. You know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. There's too many products this year, and I like skipped so many of them that I still feel overwhelmed by the number of cards that came out this year. So I hope next year they don't do it as much. Like I, I think the amount of reprints that they're doing is good, but I think the number of sets they make is, or just products they make is just too many. Is Jim still talking? He's making a face. No, he's waiting for you, and you're making a face with that mask. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lot to digest here, but <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, on the topic of reprints, I, I don't see how we could ever be ha Like, people in at least my situation, people similar to me, I mean, reprints aren't good for us, right? Like, it just keeps crushing the value of cards, which is the opposite of what we want. We want stuff to grow. So, like, it, it, it it's, it's just bad. I mean, it's just basically net negative for... For me, um, of course, you know, it's probably better for the game as a whole. So it's really hard to say that it's bad for magic. It's just kind of a bummer for me. Uh, and I do think that there are lots of stuff that you can hold on for long term and still do well with. But it's certainly a little trickier now. Uh, and there's more risk involved. So lots of cards will not be reprinted three years from now and will have gone up in price. But uh, more will have gotten reprinted in the next three years than have been in the three years past. So. It's a little trickier. Definitely rewards you for finding shorter-term, more nimble specs at this point. So all in all, the changes that we've seen over the last few months, I think, have basically been mostly a net negative for people like us. But that doesn't mean that it's not it's impossible to turn a profit. It just means it's getting harder. Yeah, Wizards is definitely looking to restore balance to the field of MTG finance. Um, you know, Modern Masters 3 next year is obviously going to be a cash grab. We're going to see a ton of stuff in Commander in Commander 2017. Oh, my God, it's already 2016. All right, 2017 next year. 
Um, let's get into something else that Brainstorm Brewery touched on. I actually talked about this with Ryan Bouchard at Providence, but I didn't have time to get it on the cast last week because we were uh, too busy trying to get everything worked out. Um, bulk is dropping. A lot of vendors won't even pick up bulk. Obviously, as I know Ed wants to say, you got to fly the bulk back, right? You, you can't make money if you're shipping bulk through freight or whatever on FedEx because it costs like three dollars per thousand once you figure it out. So it's not very not very profitable. Um, is this the end of standard bulk and standard bulk mythics as we know it? There was a great article on Quiet Speculation by Mike Lanigan at MTG Jedi, where he talked about how some vendors are starting to drop what they're paying on bulk standard mythics down to ten cents each. And same with recently rotated standard bulk mythics. Do you guys think that we finally have so much supply that it's impossible to speculate on bulk stuff anymore? Like, obviously, you have things that do spike, right? Metalwork Colossus spiked. Um, did Electrostatic Pummeler spike? I know that card's worth something. But mm -hmm. as far as straight garbage mythics go or straight garbage rares, is it even worth picking them up at 10 cents or quarters anymore? I think it's getting rapidly to a point where there's just so many that are just sitting around that people that actually want them probably already have them. And it's just getting to a point where it's becoming unmanageable. It's just we, there's just so much sitting around now. Almost every person who just has bought bulk in the past, like where's it ultimately going? Like, yeah, I can buy bulk from people that walk in if I buy like eight cents or whatever. Okay, sure. Like what am I ultimately going to do with it? I'm going to find another vendor who wants to pay 10 cents. What are they going to do with it? I, I like, you know, it's, it just feels like it just constantly gets shuffled around. You can actually hold on to and what your end goal with it is. I honestly, I honestly couldn't tell you. I've, uh, we have, uh, if I turn my, uh, camera around here. Uh, so all that single there is bulk that's been acquired relatively recently. It's not, and this is stuff that we've bought and it's just sitting there and there's just an immeasurable amount that's been sitting there mainly because we just have so much to process and just getting to it is almost not worth the time. It's just, it's, it's honestly bare margin to, you know, take like, you know, the 10% or whatever, at, you know, buy it eight, nine cents and then sell at 10 cents. Cause picking through it, there's just so much to pick through. I'd rather focus on the things that we buy Grand Prix that are actually worth turning over instead of trying to dig through this and, you know, pick the pennies out of it or, you know, hope that you get one good hit to make, you know, your 5,000 count of bulk or whatever worthwhile. Jim, as someone who doesn't necessarily buy bulk because you're competing with such a large vendor near you, how do you feel about the bulk changes? Are you happy because it makes it cheaper to buy bulk stuff for you, just like that you randomly need for your collection? It doesn't really because the cards that I would buy are not actual, like, 100% bulk. They're, like, dollar or $2 rares and... For the most part, people just don't want to get rid of them for ten cents. Like players value them more than that a lot of the time, so they're not going to want to get rid of bulk rares for ten cents or twelve cents or whatever. Like they can get twelve and a half cents if they trade them into the store, and that's just easier for them. So I don't know. Bulk is like really not that popular here. People don't like selling them for that little. Um, I mean, I bought. I got kind of lucky, and I bought a collection like. I don't know, probably a year ago, and it had a bunch of, of the the creature lands that were like close to bulk. Like it had like thirteen needle spires in it that he had from drafting, and they were worth like ninety cents or something. And I paid him a quarter, and it's great because I sold them for four dollars. But 
it doesn't happen very often, if ever. And Travis, from the perspective of someone who who represents most of the listeners on the cast, this armchair speculator, where you can pick stuff off the internet and then just sort of go from there, how do you feel at how low these cards are getting? Uh, well, I'm definitely a lot less interested in trying to spot really juicy rares at this point. Uh, I mean, I've just basically given up. It used to be that you could keep an eye out for a couple of mythic, mythics and you'd probably watch the rares too and you'd spec on rares. But, you know, especially with the Masterpiece series, it's like rares aren't even worth it. You know, for every electrostatic pummeler that goes from 50 cents to 450, uh, every other rare in the set, you know, you, you lose money on. And it's so, so difficult to pick the right card. And it's not even like if you get good at it, you can figure it out. It's sometimes the meta game is just going to shake out in a way that, an obscenely powerful card isn't good because of a common and a card that would be otherwise garbage is good because they printed just enough pump spells. Uh, so, I mean, rares are just, I, I mostly stay away from it at this point. Mythics and standard are pretty much the only thing that's worth considering uh, because they're the only things that can see enough of a price increase to make it worth the time and effort. And we actually had a vendor contact us on Twitter where you can always ask us questions. Uh, Jim from Cool Stuff Inc., the other gym, thing number two, wanted to know what the floor on masterpieces is with the amount of Kaladesh being open because it was free money up until this week, and now the prices are plummeting like crazy on TCG as everyone races to the bottom. So, Ed, do you guys still feel comfortable picking up masterpieces, or are you starting to get overwhelmed? So I don't know if people have uh, actually listened, saw the announcement, but um, it's something that's going around. So treasure chests on Moto are actually coming to real life. Um, I think they, I got the email last week, uh, from wizards events. Um, it sounds like for the holiday season in order to try and push booster box sales, they're basically giving away the equivalent of treasure chest on moto. They come, there are three card packs. You get, you're supposed to get one or two when you buy a booster box and these packs have a chance to contain a masterpiece in them. They're supposed to contain a rare or mythic from standard. I can't find in my email right now. It's one in um, every 55 packs as a masterpiece. Uh, they've actually updated it. It's actually one in 33. Well, be right back. Going to hang myself. But yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, we, so every time they make these announcements, I just literally throw my hands up in the air and just the world is ending. Like, you know, like we haven't had masterpieces for that long and now they're trying to inject more into the market. And basically every retail store, they're getting these treasure chests um it, it's these types of things where you know what confidence you have in masterpieces you used to think like a year ago oh we could buy the fetchland expeditions hold on to them once they kind of start to bottom out and in a year's time or six months time we'll see some sort of decent return on them and I, I, go ahead go ahead i just want to hop in um you know i was doing the math on this and maybe i'm i could be very wrong um but if it's one in 33 uh i read the the uh announcement by wizards and it sounds like there's a maximum of 84 packs that can be acquired by one store. 40 for the standard, like 44 for the standard thing and like 40 for the buy a box or whatever, which means that um, essentially you get about two and a half um, inventions per all of those packs combined, um, which is like essentially like 10 Kaladesh booster boxes worth of inventions. And that's it. It's not like they keep going and going and going. So it sounds like it's not actually that much of a supply increase unless I some of the numbers are wrong somewhere. 
here's the argument I'm going to make for that, just based on a smaller shop trading policy sort of thing. The amount of people that already want a masterpiece have been buying them. Most of the people that wanted them as soon as they came out got them. When you have an average FNM of 20 to 30 people and two of those people have masterpieces in their trade binder, it gets way harder for them to move. Because the people that would want to trade for them at your local trade at your local shop don't need them anymore because they can get them online or they already have their copies. So you're gonna have little Timmy who wanted who wanted in standard, or like some guy whose dad buys him a booster box for Christmas and opens a masterpiece. It's it's gonna be harder to trade those off now, especially with new masterpieces on the way in a couple months. Well, yeah, I, I just. I mean, this extra supply doesn't help, but we're still only talking about, you know, two and a half inventions extra per store, right? Like, my not- argument is just that as far as when it comes to trading, that's 10% of the, the, the population at an FNM that will have those in their binders. So if you're looking to like trade and you, you're like trying to trade for masterpieces, it's not a good time right now. You want to wait until December. So that's the only good thing. But I am also not confident in masterpieces anymore. I'm really not confident in standard anymore. I'm like Ed. I want to have my cards, open them, sell them, and then look at the next thing and move on from there. I don't want to be caught holding standard stuff in well, in excess quantities. It's funny you say that because I think standard might be some of the safest stuff these days. Like just in the sense that it, it, standard is, seems to be – some of the only place, one of the only places that you feel like you're not going to get burned on reprints. And yeah, you put up a great point there that you don't really have to worry about reprints. I mean, I just got killed on a Rois getting reprinted. So I have to take that loss and move on. I got uh, Wheel of fortune or real faded. Yeah. It's just, it's just part of it. It's part of MTG finance. You know, a lot of people read our articles. They see what they look at MTG stocks every day. They see that hundred percent increase in a day with stars in their eyes. And sometimes you just get burned. Sometimes wizards just whips it out and slaps it on your face. And you have to sit there with all your copies of cards that won't be worth anything for a couple of years. So it's, it's just, it's just part of it. I think though there, there could be a strategy to getting some of the masterpieces, I think some of them are like a lot better than others long-term based on how many copies you would normally play in your deck. Um, I think that like, for example, Mox Opal is one of the ones that is probably going to be the strongest and Aether Vial because they just, you play with four of them and not one of them in your deck. But I still don't think that they're very good to, to buy if you have no plans on playing with them. I disagree on Ether Vial. I think that gets reprinted in Modern Masters 3, and then whoever wants the foils will just buy those. Uh, they already have three foil choices. Why does that yeah. change? Yeah, but you look at uh, last year's Modern Masters, and you looked at the spread between the foils and non-foils, especially on stuff like Noble Hierarch, which sees play everywhere. The spread's not that high. That might be a unique card, but a lot of the foils are close to the same. Um I would, I would, I think that we're gonna see Ether Vial next year. I think it'll hit twenty dollars, and I think the foil will be thirty. And I think people would rather pay that than have to pay two and a half times that for a masterpiece. I don't. Okay. I don't well, we will see what happens. I am not a foils guy when it comes to English foils, so that is definitely not my market. Ether well, like- Ether Vial isn't like is a banner iconic format card, right? Like and it's a card that you play in a playset. You know, Corbin has a playset of Champs Mutavault. He's probably going to want a playset of those promo Aether Vials because they're really cool. Like, you could have ten pack foil copies, but the Inventions version is still going to be the coolest one. 
I, I think we can look at like the shocks and fetches to see with like an analogous of like how people are going to buy them. Uh, all the cons of Tarkir foil fetch lands like went down a ton since the uh, expeditions came out in Battle for Zendikar. And I think that people, when they get foils, want the best copies. Like, they want the best ones. They don't want the ones that are fine. They don't want the ones that are reasonable. They want the best ones. Like, the people that are going to spend all the money to foil out their whole deck are not going to foil out their whole deck with the cheapest copies possible. Uh, unless you're me, and then sometimes that happens. But whatever. And even beyond that, I think if you look at... It, 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 sometimes I think it's easier for us to overlook, but the aesthetic value of those cards um, is dramatically different between different uh, sets. So the expeditions like are a cool concept, but in generally they didn't look good. The frames were mediocre and the foiling is bad. You can't see them on camera. But inventions people were way happier with. Like, people really liked that appearance. So that type of thing can be a, can be the difference between like expeditions selling kind of like mediocre because people don't really like them that much. They only like them because they're rare. And inventions, which people are like, I genuinely like the way this looks, and I'm more interested in owning it. I mean, personally, I think the inventions are way cooler. I'd be much happier to own them. And I think the same is true for a lot of players. So uh, so, I th so being behind Booth, the thing I noticed about inventions and masterpieces as a whole is there's definitely always interest in them, mainly because people like them. They look cool. Um, it's kind of the you know, the, the newish and shiniest, it's easy to catch on. Um, for example, in Providence, we had one guy who was there, he was looking for, uh, inventions for his cube or whatever. And over the course of the weekend, there were two separate instances where he came by and he said, okay, you have enough. I'll just buy all these. And he just spent like probably a good, you know, six to $800 on inventions. So people definitely do like them, but once you're adding more and more, you're basically just watering down each individual one. You know, a few years ago, we looked at, you know, for uh, Pluto Delta, like the gold standard was the Onslaught foils. Uh, you know, they were like close to $500 at the time. And then we saw the original, the first reprint with Kons and Tarkir, and it tanked the price of the Onslaught ones, uh, both the non-foil and foil versions. And people thought that, oh, we could buy foil Kons and Tarkir fetches and hold on to them for a year. And then a year later, they came out with the Expeditions, and that was kind of the new thing and it that continued to bring down the prices of the cons ones and the prices on the original onslaught ones have more or less stagnated so it's hard to say like what people actually want to buy but i i can safely say at this point i've not sold a single cons of tarkir foil fetchland since expeditions have been out and it's i don't really have that much in the way of foils for newer stuff but a lot of the inventions have made it very very difficult to sell things like the from the vault uh aether vials that used to exist like judge soul rings those probably don't really sell anymore so each one of these new reprints that comes out is definitely hurting the market on uh some of the past reprints anything else that you guys want to add on the subject at all that we haven't touched on well i think jim hit the or ed hit the nail on the head um inventions are still pretty exciting because there's still only a couple of them uh, in two years, it'll be curious to see where we land with this because there will be a lot more than there are now. Yep. Good point. Jim, anything else you want to talk about regarding inventions or anything related to this topic? Um, if you have cheap ones, I'd like to buy them. So I still need some, but I'm waiting. 
what happened to the whole cashing out thing? This is why this game is cardboard crack. Um, let's go ahead and move into pick. I of the sold week. all my competitive cards. Like I don't have. Oh a really? Deck. Congrats! I'm happy for you. You're almost free. Just play casual, unsleep for the rest of your days in the well, magic the retirement home. The problem is I have that modern deck that I don't. Like, it feels bad to sell it at this point. Like I might as well keep it just like as the only deck that I own, but. I don't know. I'm probably just going to play EDH because most of my friends keep playing it, and that's about it. All right, so let's go into pick of the week. Ed, is there anything that you guys are looking to pick up this weekend in Dallas? You don't necessarily have to say what you're buying it for, but what's the number one card that you guys are looking to pick up this weekend? Uh, so I'll kind of piggyback on this. Someone had sent, sent me a uh, a message saying, hey, can I get a picture of your uh, buy list or tell me what your buy list number is? Yeah, he's actually a follower of this cast. It's Austin Toller. He had actually offered to pay me to fly down to Dallas and give consulting to him about like his business or how to MTG finance, which is in the second most interesting message I've ever received, I've got to say. So shout out to that listener. Uh, if you want to go ahead and continue, Ed. Yeah, so I uh, so that so he was the one that asked me, but other people have asked me as well, and I will continue to say that um, the hot list that's not something we do in advance. It's literally something as we're setting up Friday morning. I'm sitting at my Mac and I'm trying to stare at cards that hey, we have we're low we're low on these. I think these cards will do well this weekend, and we're basically just filling up the dry race board as we go. So in terms of getting it to you in advance, it's not really something I can do. Mainly because I, I just don't know. Um, that's that's the most honest answer I can give. In terms of stuff that I will always buy, we will always buy standard and modern cards, especially, um, oddly enough, some of the uncommons are just very, very hard to keep in stock. Um, but as for my pick of the week, probably the card that I will be looking to probably buy the most this weekend would be something like Smuggler's Copter, I guess. It's one of those cards where it's continuing to drop, which I'm fine with, because we'll just always sell them. It's impossible to keep a card in stock. And with the new standard rotation, it has such a long lifetime left that it's hard to imagine that if, even if I buy like, you know, a thousand copies this weekend, I would, I would be able to hold on to any amount of them for any reasonable time before, Hey, we need a thousand more. I think they're reprinting it. Funny. Uh, yeah, even Moose Loot was paying above TCG just to get them in stock Saturday morning before Providence started because players just didn't care what the price is. That's one of the advantages you have at the GP booth. The disadvantage is paying thousands of dollars to have that booth, but, you know, it all works out in the end. Um, Jim, do you have anything that you're looking at this week? Um, not particularly. I think everything is probably going to be on a slow downhill slope until the rest you know until the year is over when we can start buying cards again um if you're gonna hold them for a little while i think that the black green delirium stuff and the blue white flash stuff are probably the best cards to own but i'm not sure that there's anything in those decks right now that's worth buying um yeah i would probably just wait travis um well, I'll toss in something. Uh, one of our fellow cast members who's not here this week, Doug brought up earlier, is apparently Star City is selling chromatic lanterns for like four. Um, these were what? Were they seven or eight prior seven, to this, I seven, think? Seven fifty. Yeah. Um, you know, if those are down in the three to four dollar range, those are probably worth picking up because um, 
they're, they're only in one commander deck and they're going to be really popular. I mean, everyone's going to want them. And this is going to make a lot of people go out and build very, a lot of multicolored decks. Uh, and, pro, you know, for every single commander, for every one of those pre-cons they sell, players are likely to build more than one <sighs> multicolored deck. Shout out no, to Travis no, for stealing my pick this week. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. I well, was. Re- I mean, as long as it doesn't get reprinted, I think it's. I, I agree with Doug and Jeremy. I think it's a good pickup, uh, long term. You just have to hope that they don't print it like a third or fourth time. If they print it again next year, you're screwed, or at we least ca- it drags the timeline out. We cater to casuals, so we have no problem moving this card. My plan is to Saturday morning look at what Hyrule is selling for, the, selling them for, and just buy them out because they generally have casual stuff priced way lower. So that's my plan. And Sol Ring's getting another reprint, and I'm really happy for that because cheaper Sol Rings mean they'll sell more. So that's the plan. Uh, let's see. Backup pick this week. Counterspell from Eternal Masters. No one knows that card's worth money, but almost every vendor is paying 50 cents on that right now. So, yeah, free money. Unless you're selling them to add in your bulk this weekend, then just like leave them in there and don't pick them out. But it's a good card. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap this cast up. Where can people go ahead and find you guys? No, you guys can find me behind a booth at GP Dallas this weekend with Corbin's Game Store or follow me on Twitter at Edwin13. My name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find me on Gathering Magic every other week, and you can find me on Modern Nexus every week. I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Wednesday for MTG Price, and I'm, I do the podcast, uh, MTG Fast Finance. And I'm Zemet. You can find me on Twitter at Zemet Sells Magic. You can find me in the great state of Missouri. We'd like to thank everyone for coming on, and especially Ed for being a repeat guest on this episode. And as always, we're going to leave you with a little bit of that MTG finance knowledge as we sign off. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I highly recommend learning second languages. Um, when you're going to a GP circuit, uh, communicating with traders in their non in their native language helps a lot. So for this episode, I'm going to go ahead and recommend sign language. I found it pretty handy in the past. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.